We Are SC pregame podcast, Arizona edition. And it's uh, the Trojans and the Wildcats on Saturday at the Coliseum. It's November, and it's a game for first place at the top of the Pac-12 South. Um, for the Trojans, with only two games remaining after this until the end of the regular season. So uh, in, in terms of positioning for the Pac-12 championship game, this is uh, probably the biggest challenge left for the Trojans remaining on the schedule. And uh, it's an Arizona team coming in with a lot of confidence right now. And that confidence based largely on the play of uh, quarterback Khalil Tate. Uh, a guy who Trojan fans remember from Sarah High School. Uh, there was some Trojan interest. There was an offer uh, during his recruiting process. He uh, was not the starter for Arizona at the beginning of the season. That was Brandon Hawkins, uh, Brandon Dawkins, excuse me, and uh, from Oaks Christian High School, um, and a guy that we have seen plenty of in, in his career at, at Arizona. But uh, Brandon got hurt in the Colorado game early on, and. Uh, Coincidentally, Khalil had been banged up a little earlier in the season with a shoulder, but he had been practiced healthy that week. And so he entered into the football game and proceeded to rush for an FBS record 327 yards. And uh, in that time, he has continued his magical run uh, w- w- with his legs. But what has also been impressive is, is what he's done uh, with his arm. That's really an element that is is a new part of his game that he's really improved on is how much of an accurate passer he is. He's always been a good downfield thrower, uh, but now his accuracy and touch on the mid-range and short passes uh, have really made him one of the most dangerous weapons uh, in, in the country right now. He has been named the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week uh, four weeks in a row, the the four games that he has played. And uh, a four-time-in-a-row winner has never happened before in, in the conference. So that gives you an indication uh, of, of what this young man is doing. Six foot two, about 215 pounds uh, is Khalil. And what Coach Helton said that he is really paying attention to uh, for this young man, he goes, it's, it's when he's running and you think you have him tackled that you're about to get him, uh, the pitch out to their one of their two running backs, uh, J.J. Taylor uh, from Centennial High School in Corona, and then uh, Nick Wilson, a senior who has been around for a while, and uh, Trojan fans have seen him before. But uh, that's one area that he said Tate has been very effective, and, and I also think just with uh, with a guy like this, whenever – uh, you, whenever you have the, the RPO element and you have a good passer out of that, it's just such a test for your defensive backs, particularly your corners, uh, to stay disciplined, uh, to stay with what they're doing, not, not to mention uh, your outside linebackers. And for the Trojans, uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but there's going to be a new, new face at outside linebacker, and Kevin Bruce uh, will talk about that. So uh, as we say, you have Tate, you've got the two tailbacks who are very dangerous, and you have an offensive line who is very experienced. Uh, the least, uh, I guess, the, the least most starter is uh, has 15 career starts under his belt uh, on the offensive line for Arizona. So uh, Coach Helton saying they, they don't do a lot, but what they do, they do well. Uh, they don't run a lot of plays is, is what he's saying. So he just says, hey, they're, it's assignment-based football. And again, Kevin Bruce will break it down a, a little bit more later, but uh, – this is just one of those games where you've got to be minding things if you're on the USC defense uh, because these people, they, they, they do it well. Fortunately for the Trojans, um, the Arizona defense is not as proficient. Uh, you, you look at some of their numbers, and uh, their team defense is number 109 in the country. They're giving up 448 yards a game. 
If there's something they're doing well, it's their rush defense. They're number 49 in the country. They're giving up 148 yards a game. But their pass defense is number 127 of number 129. They are right at 300 yards a game. That's probably not where you want to be with Sam Darnold and company coming to town, especially coming off a game like last week, uh, which will give the Trojans a lot of momentum and confidence coming into this game. Uh, You can arguably say that was the best USC offensive game uh, of the year. Uh, from play calling to lack of mistakes, penalties, turnovers, uh, getting the run game going, executing the run game, offensive line play, controlling the line of scrimmage. Really, any way you want to look at it, uh, the Trojan offense played well. And when you look at the Arizona defense, um, this could be an opportunity for USC just continue doing right on what they're doing. Uh, Arizona does have 19 turnovers, 14 picks. Uh, Lorenzo Burns uh, has 53 tackles, a defensive back. He is the son of Deshaun Burns, uh, former USC defensive back. And Colin Schooler, uh, playing some linebacker, also has 47 tackles, a uh, former Mission Viejo product right there. Injury update right now for the Trojans. We are not going to see Porter Gustin uh, in, in this game. What he gave last week is probably what he's going to be able to give for a while, if not for the rest of the season. Uh, the, the, the toe is having issues, and... Uh, no timetable for a return, but uh, also did not sound optimistic. Uh, Stephen Carr, on the other hand, should be back. And so nice boost for the running game and, and out of the backfield catching the ball. Uh, good to see Stephen back on the field this weekend. And Josh Fatu should be able to play. Daniel Matorbebe went through a full week of practice. Uh, the guys that are kind of unknown right now, Vivai Malapii and Biggie Marshall, we will see how much they are able to possibly play. Uh, in, in this game. And then, uh, again, we kind of mentioned it and alluded to it. Uh, the big move of the week with Gustin out is we will see Jordan Neosefa moving to outside linebacker. Jordan, an inside linebacker by trade. Uh, a heck of a challenge in your first game at outside linebacker to match up with Khalil Tate and an RPO offense like Arizona. But Kevin Bruce will talk about uh, that a little bit later in the podcast. This week in USC football, keys to the game. Uh, Gary Passwitz, Johnny Curran, and Daryl Rideau. Uh, guys, I'm going to get things started here. Talking about uh, Daniel Imator Bebe at tight end in the USC offense. Uh, a, a guy that has missed, obviously, the majority of the season and have been kind of waiting to, for him to get back because we all know what he can be as part of this offense uh, with Sam Darnold. And he has come back, and he has mainly been serving in a blocking role so far and doing a very good job. I think one of the things with Daniel that people tend to forget sometimes, because he is such a good pass catcher, is what a good blocker he is. Um, and, and, and we saw it, unfortunately, last week on uh, for Pittman, one of the calls that got called back, which I do not think was a penalty on uh, Imator Bebe. I think it was just a very good block. But one of these days I want to see – him getting back into the flow of the offense more as a pass catcher. And I think that will happen as he gets more and more healthy uh, and, and back in the flow of the game. But we, I think we're going to get reminded when that happens of his chemistry with Sam and just what a valuable safety net he is for Sam in, in the middle of the field. And that's obviously been missing in the offense uh, to this point in the season and what a benefit it will be coming back for the rest of the regular season and beyond. So that's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on this week. How much is Daniel Imator Bebe going to be able to uh, contribute? Because uh, in the Arizona game last year, I think one of the big things that we saw was uh, three different three touchdowns to three different tight ends. And uh, hopefully if we can see some kind of stuff like that from Daniel Imator Bebe in the tight end spot, it will be good to see. Johnny? Uh, for me, what I wanted to talk about was just the energy of practice this week compared to last week and really the rest of the season, it seems. Um, it was something because it's something that really stood out this week. The team really came out flying around, 
a lot more energy than we've seen as of late. And if you remember just last week, kind of the big topic was kind of how subdued practice was. Um, at times it was almost like you could hear a pin drop out there. Really un, uh, kind of unusual. Now, they did come out and get the victory, but it still was something that, that stood out, that there just didn't seem to be a lot of noise, a lot of energy at practice or anything like that. This week was completely different. You know, um, guys were flying around. It really looked, looked like they were having fun out there. And then we obviously heard about uh, Chris Hawkins meeting with Coach Helton late last week, and that it's hard not to think the two um, are related, you know, where they talked about loosening things up. And you definitely saw it this week. Coach Helton even talked about how they played a dodgeball on Monday. Um, but in practice, I thought it was really a positive de- development, um, particularly on defense. I thought you could tell a big difference. Like I said, guys were flying around. Um, having fun out there, it looked like to me. Uh, on defense, I thought I really noticed it when they were going up against uh, Randall Grimes and Dominic Davis, who were kind of uh, imitating Khalil Tate this week. Uh, those guys really seemed to be, you know, be hyped uh, with that challenge, and hopefully that's something that carries over into this weekend. Uh, if you're uh, Clay Helton and those guys, because uh, it, seemed, it seemed to improve the product on the field. We'll see if it if it does in fact. Um, uh, translate over this weekend. For USC to have success this week on homecoming weekend against the Arizona Wildcats, it's gonna it's gonna loom on the defense and their ability to contain Khalil Tate, who is a force at the running back position, averaging nearly 150 yards. But how does he do it? They oftentimes the Arizona Wildcats offensively will spread you out with three, four wide receivers, and they're really what they're trying to do is spread you out so that they can create natural running lanes for Tate. Tate, you can't think of him as a running back. As a result, the outside linebackers are going to be tested this week, early and often. Now, we know what to expect from guys like Nchinawusu, but it's the likes of Jordan Iosefa, who's now replacing Gustin Porter. It's his how committed will he be to staying home will determine the success of the Trojans. It's going to take all 11 players, eyes in the backfield, keen on Tate, treating him as a running back in order for them to have success. But if Iosefa doesn't keep containment, it's going to spell for long drives and a long night for the Trojans. But I expect them to take care of business, and I expect that if the defense is showing that kind of confidence and Iosefa playing on that outside linebacker position for the first time, moving from his natural spot as an inside linebacker, it's because of what they've seen in practice and the discipline that he brings to the position. So look for the Trojans to rally behind his play, and if there is going to be a player of the game, look for it to come from those outside linebacker positions. John Major. John, it's kind of an interesting week for the Trojans against Arizona in that there is so much attention being paid to the USC defense versus Khalil Tate and the Arizona offense, that uh, it's kind of easy to forget. Hey, there's a, there's a matchup on the other side of the ball, Sam Darnold in the USC offense against the Arizona defense. What do you see from them so far this year? Well, Gary, rightfully so, the talk is about uh, the Arizona offense because I think that when you look at, say, let's say, let's say our last three opponents, Notre Dame, let's rank them. Let's rank them defensively. Notre Dame, ASU, Arizona, our last three, our last three opponents, um, and Notre Dame being the best defense, ASU being the second best. I think Arizona is probably the least talented on defense, um, or at least the, the least experienced. So um, 
we should be able to do basically anything we want. I mean, their two leading tacklers are linebacker, Fields, a freshman, and a defensive back, Burns, who's also a freshman. And they're the worst team in the conference throwing the ball as far as pass defense goes. Uh, and then that's good news for the Trojans when you were coming off of a game where arguably you can call that the best USC offensive performance uh, of the season in so many areas, John, so many areas that had been troubling them before, as of last week, were not an issue anymore. And if that offense no, shows up, that could be really good for the Trojans. Yeah, and I think against a team like this, and you go back to like the Oregon State game where they weren't real good defensively, and basically focus on your assignments, uh, run crisp routes, make accurate throws, make the correct read, um, don't uh, have a blown assignment on the offensive line. Um, if Jones runs like he did last week, and he might have Carr in the backfield with him to complement him. I mean, it seems like Carr said, "I got to start making. I can't rely only on the offensive line to to make create yards for me. I've got to create some myself." And he seemed to run with that realization last week. And so I think you put all that together, we should not have a problem scoring points on this defense. They're not that good yet they could be better as they get more experience but they rely on their offense to score a lot of points to keep them in games and you just go through their season so far they've kind of been in shootouts just about every game let's uh let's talk a couple individual uh issues for the trojans kind of want to go offensive line you mentioned that talk about andrew Voorhees and, and what you see from these younger guys starting to develop. This is their third, fourth game in the lineup, and I really thought they played well last week. Are we starting to look at them to see, but we're not worried about them so much, these guys could start to be an impact in a positive way? Well, and I, and I think they could play, they're playing more like they're not worried about their jobs either. They're not worried about, you know, if they miss a play or they, they miscommunicate on one play, there's probably less of that going on. So the more you play, this the better you get. And then, and then if you can't physically handle it, somebody else takes your position. So, um, but you know, I think the main thing here is just the playing together. We didn't have that earlier in the season. Guys kept getting hurt. You couldn't get a cohesive unit to get those reps game after game after game. So you're seeing that, and it's starting to uh, to really show in the production. Now, another thing is, you know. Notre Dame has seemed to be a benchmark. The last you take you go back two years ago when we went to Notre Dame, we lost that game, and it was like a benchmark. This is what you need to face if you're going to win championships because this gets you out of the Pac-12 and shows you what talent is across the ball nationally. All right, and we did the same thing, you know, two weeks ago, and it seems to be like a, a kind of a refocus point for the offense to kind of say this is where. We need to be if we're going to win championships. And, and again, after that game, we seem to do well. We seem to gel. We seem to put all the other stuff behind us and refocus. And Clay does a good job of kind of turning things around after those type of games. So we're seeing that now, and I think that will continue this week. We've got another um, not great team next week, Colorado, and then UCLA, you have to throw the rivalry stuff in there. So there's a chance to finish strong like we have the last really three years under play as head coach. Okay, I want to talk one final thing, John, and that is yeah. about the play calling that we saw last week. Um, the, the flow of it, I love the way that they 
got started throwing the ball a little bit, kept with the run, even though the run wasn't working early. I love the way that they kept with it, and eventually you ran the ball a lot more than you did throwing the ball. Um, I thought that was a good identity of that of the offense, what we saw last week. Could you be, see that be a plan that we execute on Saturday? Yeah, I, I definitely think so, especially given uh, that if you look at the history of on the on the season anyway so far uh, of the Arizona defense, they seem to tire and give up points later in the game. Now the offense will get them out to a big lead, and then they kind of they kind of uh, whittle that away because of the, the other team whittles that away because the defense gets tired. So so I you know staying with the run is perfect for that, right? You just keep right. pounding them, keep pounding them, wear them down. Um, I I don't see any reason to go away from that other than the throwing game is there too. This, they play a really soft zone. They'll they'll play too deep most of the game, and their corners will play soft. So there's a lot of stuff they let they let you complete balls in front of them, and try not to give up big plays. And so you can you know get the ball in these guys' hands, our skilled players, and make Arizona who is not real good in the secondary, make tackles. So that will be tempting to keep doing that and get away from the run game. I think it's a little difficult when just about everything should work against these guys, but you need to prepare the run game for UCLA, for Pac-12 championship, and for a bowl game. So you may want to kind of think about down the road in games like these, not just this Saturday night. All right, John, let's have a good one Saturday. Okay, Gary, fight on. Uh, Kevin Bruce, uh, Kevin, another challenge for the Trojans this week with Arizona coming to town and, uh, obviously a game for, uh, first place in the Pac-12. But I think top of mind right now is, uh, Khalil Tate. When you look at what has happened to the Arizona offense since he came in in the Colorado game, uh, it's been pretty impressive. They've obviously won four games in a row. He is the first player, Kevin, in conference history to be named offensive player of the week four weeks in a row. What do you see from this young man? Yeah, he's a defensive nightmare. And not to put too fine a point on that, Arizona was designated by the Football Writers uh, Association as the uh, top uh, team in uh, for the week. So, I mean, here you have a situation where you you uh, uh, have uh, you know a quarterback who's just doing things that you just don't see, frankly, and you have a team that's performing at a higher level as a result of the quarterback. Hmm. Where have we seen and heard that one before? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Go. And it, <laughs> yep, exactly right. And and that's one of those examples where one player can make a difference for an entire team on either side of the ball. Specials, you name it. So, um, yeah. Now, what what is so special about uh, Tate? Well, uh, a lot of things. One is he's a winner. Two, he he is the fastest man on the field. Doesn't matter. Offense, defense. As soon as he steps on the field, he's the fastest guy out there. You put you, you line him up and you do a sprint race. Uh, he's going to win. He's six two, maybe two twenty ish. That might be a little a bit heavy, but hard to bring down. Mm-hmm. Arm tack, he'll just run right through it. Especially if he, gets, if he turns up field. Um, his passing has improved tremendously. Uh, much more accurate. Uh, part of that accuracy improvement. Uh, it goes hand in glove with uh, guys being wide open or because teams are overcommitting to stopping the run uh, on the uh, option attack. And if you overcommit, put too many guys, bring you know some of your secondary up a little too close, and you do it in a uh, way that's readable, and you don't make a, a, a play 
quickly, uh, your downfield guys are going to be wide open because you, you already got either man cover or you've got, uh, at best, uh, a, a, you know, cover two in the, in the, in, at, on the deep level, which you can open it up uh, for, uh, post batters. Anyway, um, unique challenge. You also have an offensive line that is a very well coached group. Uh, also very experienced. A lot of starts among those guys. No major injuries this year. Been together. They know what they're doing. They now have a quarterback that can really operate and run the uh, offense the way it's uh, designed uh, on an optimal basis. And then, lest we forget, you've got running backs that can actually they run the ball and they can take it to the house at any time. You give them a crack, a seam, they're gone. And it's going to be tough to uh, close that. So, look, that's that's the challenge. That's part of uh, why Tate really does complete is the last piece to the Arizona puzzle on offense that really makes us a very difficult team to defend. And um, there it is. I mean, you know, look, uh, they're going to show up. We're going to show up, and we'll see how it goes. But to to defeat a U of A is going to require a team victory. The offense is going to have – go ahead. Okay, no, I was going to say, uh, the thought – I saw someone ask you on the message board about, okay, well, we held Tate pretty much in check last year when we saw him as a true freshman. What's the difference this year? And, and I want to get your opinion on this. When I look at Khalil Tate right now, I, I loved him in high school, but, yes, he was a – I don't want to say a one-dimensional guy. He could throw a nice deep ball. But the level of passing accuracy that we've seen this year in all areas, to me, that's the biggest difference – between what we saw last year, what we saw in high school, and what he is right now, would you would you agree with that? I would, and uh, some of that is, is as I said, due to guys being wide open, no doubt about it, to the run. Yeah, but I would say this: he's he plays fast, but he's not playing hurried. Two different things. He is by nature very fast, but he's making his decisions in an unhurried way. And that allows him to scan the field, go through his progressions a little uh, more thoughtfully, and is able then to uh, get that half a second, quarter of a second, literally. I mean, that that you know short period of time, um, and guys are getting open, or, or or the seam is opening up, or there's an over pursuit angle that he's able to exploit, or or all of the above, and that just makes him so much more dangerous. Um, throwing the ball, in particular opens up the running, the running opens up the throwing. I mean, it's clearly a little circular reasoning there, but but it's all true. You, if you take away his throwing proficiency, you can then say, look, I'm going to force him to throw the ball, make him be a quarterback, and then I don't really have to worry about him. No, actually, if we force him to be a throwing quarterback, you still got to worry about him. Let me ask you how you uh, pressure on the line. Uh, no Christian Rector this week. No Porter Gustin this week, so it will be Jordan Neosepha. Uh, it does look like we will have both Fatu and Peely in the middle. I thought Fatu was key last week to help Peely there. But specifically mm-hmm. when you're talking Neosepha in there, how do you look to put pressure on him and contain him at the line with Jordan? What can he do and what, what is he going to be lacking? <laughs> yeah, well, with, with Jordan, you're going to get a guy, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes, right? He, he's, a, he's fundamentally very sound, but he's also an inside linebacker and asked to play an outside linebacker role. And beyond outside linebacker, a very hybrid-type predator uh, position, you know, by name. Um, But it's really a uh, combination outside linebacker, defensive end. He's not a defensive end. He's an an inside linebacker asked to play the outside. 
The good news is when you're when you're in an outside linebacker role, you look inside. That's where all the pressure is going to come from. But you're also asked to do several different things. One of which is to get upfield, contain, pressure the quarterback uh, on on pass uh, pass drops uh, and so forth. Well, with Arizona, you don't get a ton of pass drops or pure pass drops. So or dropbacks, right? So you don't have to really worry about that with with Jordan. So his his challenge is going to be managing the contain on the edge uh, in, uh, in 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 the option looks right uh, and not overcommitting to either the outside and, and letting uh, tape uh, uh, you know run the ball inside if he gets too far uh, uh, away from his inside help that creates a running lane. And his job is, is, it's contained, but it's a little different. It's more subtle than just getting upfield and hold, hold, you know, establishing a strong edge. No, he's got to read the quarterback a little bit. He's got to read the option play a little bit. Uh, plays that are down in the A gap, B gap, he can help out only when he can see the ball going down inside. Well, if your eyes drift to that mesh point down on the inside, you're going to help out your buddy Fatu or Peely on the inside or Rasheem Green if he's on that, on that side of the ball. Um, you're going to get trapped. You're going to get, you know, it's going to pull the ball out and he's going to get around the edge. And you got to be very careful about that. The other thing I'd point out about Arizona is they are a, what I would call a finesse team. They attack the perimeter. They're not a, uh, a gap, uh, Notre Dame type, uh, running uh, team. They're not going to, uh, you know, knock you off your feet a lot. They're not going to control the line of scrimmage from, with sheer strength, size, and, and physicality. They're going to control the line of scrimmage with speed and, and execution. Therefore, they're going to attack the perimeter. We're going to see a lot of RPO. We're going to see a lot of movements to the outside, which then opens up a gap. That puts uh, Peely or Fatu in a position where they got to cover a very, very wide a gap on both sides of the center, and that's uh, that's a challenge, I've got to tell you. So th- those are some of the issues. Um, it, it's not insurmountable, but a team victory is going to be required. The offense is going to have to put points up. The offense is going to have to uh, not burn the clock, but, you know, sustain drives, no turnovers, no short fields, no sudden changes, and special teams has got to play a good, smart football, uh, control the uh, punt, car, uh, punt returns because Arizona has a good punt return team too, by the way. And they got a, a very strong-legged uh, place kicker, uh, both on kickoffs and field goals. Other than that, it should be easy. Yeah, right. It, it does sound like, Kevin, in so many ways that you want to, if you're USC, follow the game plan that you used last week, like you talked about with the USC offense. If you can sustain drives and do what you did last week, boy, that that, that would be great for this week. Perfect timing. Reed Budrovich had a fantastic game last week uh, in, in the punt game. Mm-hmm. So. The game plan from last week does look like it would apply very well. I want to touch on one thing you said about Jordan Yosefa. And Helton made the point yesterday. He said, there is that temptation to want to help your buddy. Don't. Uh, assume your buddy's going to do his job, and you need to stay right there and do your job. Yeah, that is absolutely – it's critical on an option-based uh, team. Uh, it's, it's always important, but when you have an option team – uh, that's very advanced and very skilled. It's even more important. You have assignments. You have to count on your. your you got to know where your help is going to come from, both from the mm-hmm. outside or the inside, and you have to rely upon that person to get off the blocks and be able to help you. But do not do more than what you're asked to do. Do not set out to make the big blow up tackle, the big play, the highlight uh, reel film. You will get exploited and burned. 
guaranteed. It will happen. These guys are too good of athletes uh, to get uh, uh, to to, uh, to allow that to happen and not to ex- exploit someone who's going to over pursue uh, and then create a lane and a vulnerability to the defense. You have to play within yourself. You have to play your assignment, and 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 then know when you're being uh, um, influenced to widen your 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 uh, uh, position on the field beyond what uh, you should be. Keep your spacing. That's when we talk about gap integrity. That's what's going on. It's about the spacing. Um, U of A offensive line is very good at turning people to the inside or taking a slant and just moving people, just taking whichever direction you're slanting, they just move them past the hole, and then it winds back. That's one of those – both of those long runs uh, from last week against Washington State were slant plays, and they were exploited. And I have to say, you know, U of A did a nice job. I mean, you know. Hey, I'm glad it was them last week, not this week. I like what Helton said. He knows they, they don't run a lot of plays, uh, but what they do, they do well. So should be an interesting test for the Trojan defense on Saturday. Thanks for your time, Kevin. Let's have a good one. You bet, Jerry. Fight on.